Oh, right. Hi guys, I'm Matt, and I brought everyone a whiskey tonight, and I'm a nice guy. Why am I so fancy? Because I'm Matt. I'm the nicest guy in the group. Except Matt didn't bring any whiskey tonight. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm a I'm a jerk. Wow. And my name That's is Matt. I forget one whiskey one night. One night. Well, I guess it's a couple. This of is like the third night. Say, I'm just kidding. <laughs> According to how I sound to Matt. Hey guys, this is John. I'm from Arkansas. I'm glad you could pull. Out <laughs> <your> <laughs> well, that's I like how John can impersonate close. Matt impersonating John. So I'm well. the dude playing the other <laughs> yeah. dude. Playing. It's just his actual accent. <laughs> right, right. This is getting really, really racist towards me. Fast. That's no, right. That's, that's, that's the correct. Oh, the racist yeah, status. Status. Yeah. yeah. Classes yeah. probably. Yeah. 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 Look, this doesn't feel like a safe space anymore, but I'm going to stay for the whiskey and and the uh, cigars. So that's good. So sweet. Let's talk about what we're supposed to talk about. Oh, yeah. Anyways, uh, so welcome to Legend Lore, brought to you by Strange New Worlds Productions. Tonight, um, we're going to be uh, talking about D&D and science fiction and bringing 5e D&D to a science fiction setting. Insert, we, insert beep, bop, boop, boop, beep, sound bop, effect boop. for ambiance. <laughs> D&D. Now we're talking about the final frontier. Space. No, it's D&D, the final frontier. Bang. And a galaxy Bang. far, far away. Oh, <laughs> Someone just had a stroke in the audience. Yeah, yeah. Are we going to be talking about how fantasy and sci-fi are functionally the same thing? Ooh, do not, we do will not, get do into not, that. Do not, do not make me go around and around and around with this crap. Because my wife and I get into that all the time. And I don't want to have that discussion with you guys i i actually have <laughs> what i think is an opinion of that that everyone might be able to agree with Ooh, a I, cohesive opinion i i right now it might at, bring us all back together at this point like I, a family at, at, the, at this point i uh already disagree <laughs> okay all right Keenan. yes but we disagree with your disagreement so we agree all See? right we, well we're agreeing Ooh. on something oh you know what i'm gonna agree on to my Right, joining us again. It truly is DM Rockfist. I am from Arkansas. I promise I know how to read, and I've never <laughs> drank moonshine. To my right, you yeah. never drank moonshine. Well, no, you're a liar. I have it. I did. I did try. I did. This is a true story. I did find a moonshine jug in my poppy's tr- like shed once, mm-hmm. and it had like the XXX with the cork in it and everything. And I pull it out, and it was empty. Oh, disappointing. And to his right. <laughs> It's uh, it's DM Osborne on the mic. <laughs> Get, Get off, off of mic. <laughs> Sorry. This is professional player Cody, and I have had moonshine. Does that make me more Southern than, than John? I think so. Mm. Uh, Do I you will... like big knuckles and grits? Eh. Eh. <laughs> I, I have also had moonshine before. Uh, but anyways, this is a... Uh, as David wanted me to coin, Dungeon Emperor, Matt. Ooh, everybody's dungeon upgrading. Emperor we got professional Matt. player and Dungeon Emperors. This is crazy. Um, I guess I'm still just Dungeon Master Mike. That's okay. On the mic. Getting with Mixed it. Mixed Master everybody. Mike on the cut. That's right. Well, yes, we are talking about science fiction and fifth edition and just tabletop in general. Well, we, we haven't talked really about science fiction you know so far we've kind of kept it on fantasy and yet we've referred multiple times in our episodes to our star wars campaign to singularity um to mangetsu which was a campaign that uh, keenan had run that was a mix of fantasy and science fiction and so clearly the two genres can get mixed together both in fiction and of course at the tabletop but we wanted to just talk a little bit about some of the processes we go through to port those concepts over but i think before we get into that i think 
think Cody brought up a great point, which was go ahead and repeat it there, Cody. They're the same damn thing. Can you can you unpack that a little bit? No, okay, look, they're not. Okay, look. So I wanna I wanna do time travel. Can I do time travel in fantasy? Yes. If oh, I want to go to the grocery tra- store, can I do time travel in science fiction? Probably. Ooh. I want to go to the space store. Travel. I can walk. I can also take my car. I can take a horse. I can take my car. Right. I don't understand where you're going with this. There are two things that equal the same thing, but they're they're cross genre references. They don't exclusively so, mean one is the other. Is, 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 is a horse and a car are they both modes of transportation? They are on their basis line, but they are extremely different. If you looked at the two of them, you can't have a veterinarian go okay. fix a car. I don't think. I don't think having cars and equating fantasy and science fiction are equatable uh, ideas here because magic and fantasy and science fiction are out of this world impossible concepts. Whereas a car and a horse, those are actually like real world things. So what you're saying is as a literary device traveling across the universe with warp speed or traveling across the universe with teleportation, they're just different skin. Like it's like you're skinning it. You're reskinning the same thing. No, no, because, because, because the science fiction is based on some sort of science fact one way or the other, whether it's just a science theory or if it's magic. And yes, I know what Asgardians say. Impossible to happen. Cool. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. We will never travel at the speed of light. Look, it, it, it's like, if you, would Most you think, likely. okay, do you think horror, the genre of horror is fantasy? Uh, I mean, it depends on how you're skinning it. Is it a demon? Do you think it's fantasy? Is it a demon from hell, or yeah. is it uh, Jason walking down the street with the chainsaw? Well, we don't know what makes Jason an, you know, an unstoppable fool. So okay, he could just be a serial killer. Okay, but he's or, not. Sure. So that's is that fantasy or horror? Where Where do you fall on this, Matt? I, you know, I think that every there are genres to everything. Everything there's there's a sci-fi, there's a fantasy. You know, when I think of let's say Star Wars, I don't see that as sci-fi. I don't see that as fantasy. I see it as a, a, a sci-fi fantasy. Right. It's a mix of both. It is a good blend. Um, I I see that there are different genres out there. When I think sci-fi, I think Star Trek, uh, because it's a lot of science fact and a lot of science theory. Star Wars, there's not a lot of that similar space thing. Fantasy. Like it's it's a space fantasy. Um, when you get on the horror aspect, I mean you can have your aspect of a fantasy kind of thing where it's your, there's a werewolf that's in there. You have, and even Jason, Jason's supernaturally strong. Like there's, there's a read, like, I mean, maybe he's like just ripped and he's really, really strong. Maybe he's Arnold Schwarzenegger in a mask. And he but, comes back from the dead. So. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel, I feel like, I, well, I thought you had an answer. I got us. an answer. You said you were going to unify. I us. got Ooh, something that's going to bring us all together. Theory about genre. Like Vin Diesel says, it's going to bring us together as a family. All right. <laughs> So in literature, this is the same debate. This is, this is a debate that's raged on from the earliest days. And in fact, uh, Tolkien was kind of famous because uh, when he first created Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, they didn't have the term fantasy fiction in order to classify what the hell this thing was, right? And so he called it fairy stories. It's what we would know now as fantasy fiction, but with, for lack of a better term, he called it fairy stories because the closest thing to it were these old you know, fairy tales, basically, right? And so uh, there, there has been an ongoing debate about how to define you know, what is fantasy fiction? Uh, and then you later on, of course, add in the mix of science fiction. And there's been constant debates. And for years, if you went to somewhere like uh, Barnes and Noble, uh, they had two separate, or they, it was one section for years. It was just fantasy and science fiction. And then as they grew, grew, grew in popularity, they finally separated them. And so part of what we're seeing is an evolution of understanding of these two genres, even as they, like in Star Wars, mix, right? But what unifies it all is that it's all actually from 
from a literary standpoint under one umbrella, which is called speculative fiction, which plays with the idea of what if, like what if, and there's another genre in there called magical realism, which is like, um, uh, you know, like 100 Years of Solitude is a novel that's famous for that, or uh, Old Man, not Old Man in the Sea, the uh, old, old Man with Wings, I think it's called. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick myself later for getting that title wrong. Um, but anyway, it's the idea that it, it's really famous in South American um, you know, type literature, Latin literature. Um, but the idea is, is the world is normal, but then there's one magic thing. Like there's a, a novel yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that just got a lot of press because it's about a girl who can taste the emotions of whoever cooked her food. And that's the only thing magic in the whole book and they never explain it. So that wouldn't port well to a tabletop, but science fiction and fantasy fiction do. And so I think what we're getting at here is in one genre, you're playing with scientific possibilities, maybe, right? Maybe it'll always be fiction, but maybe possibly one day, it, it could be fact, right? Um, and then in fantasy fiction, you're playing maybe, and yes, correct me if you don't like this definition, but fantasy fiction is kind of playing with like stuff that just can't ever be. Like we're never going to summon a dragon, right? But we might crack some kind of code or some kind of understanding of how to do, uh, you know, travel through space or something like that. So discuss, what do you guys think? Is that a good way to kind of unify the different theories or? I mean, oh, <laughs> was at the same time. The exact same thing at the same time. Whoa. There we go. Uh, go go ahead, please. Oh, I was just gonna say, I will definitely summon a dragon someday. It's gonna happen <laughs> through enough blood rituals. You, you will, achieve yes. you will be the dragon. Child. I will become <laughs> the dragon. So, well, well, more power to you. I mean, fuck. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't say you even quite gave a definition, but like they're both fiction, and then it's like a branching path. So fiction splits into different things, right? And then we go to speculative fiction, then, and then it's like, well, what if? What if there's a world like this? What if, or what if we discovered time travel in the '40s, right? And you go to that, like, and but sci-fi and fantasy are two on the same, um, like, lateral line on the tree to me because they're both made-up stories that do have a lot of similarities, but they take very divergent paths where fantasy, they're both completely made up at the same time, and you can get to whatever means you want to by whatever means. But when you're dealing with science fiction versus fantasy, it's about the setting. So if you want to call it a skin, sure, but they're overall not the same thing because they split with, uh, there's always some magic machine in sci-fi. And versus fantasy, there can be many different versions for it to go forward. Um, so when it comes to um, uh, fantasy and sci-fi, what's the difference between them? Like, I don't think that John quite gave us a proper definition for it because you were saying that, yeah, they're all speculative fiction. And at that point, the tree, the branches of the tree branch apart to me and they're lateral where fantasy is one thing with science fiction, but they are separate, separated by the space in between the branches because they might have a lot of things that are very similar that are part of the overall speculative fiction part, but that's where they diverge. So if you look at fantasy, it's that total completely made up something or from, from a, a historical fiction or something along those lines. Right. But when you go to science fiction, you start to look at like what's like a magic machine or some property or something that's discovered or just part of the universe that alters the way that the story goes that has to be rooted in some form of science fiction. So like Star Wars to me is science fantasy because it has some fantastical elements and some science where sci-fi is typically a little bit harder, if not um, more grounded, in my opinion. How right. do you feel about that, Mike? You, you might be able to articulate that a little better than me. No, no, I actually, actually agree with you on all that. And I think, and I don't know, maybe I might be completely nuts, but I think that the term of speculative fiction has actually evolved over the years itself too. Cause I think when it was first kind of coined, it actually was coined for 
everything that kind of existed out of all these these uh, genres that we already everybody was familiar yeah, with. Yeah, it was but, a catch-all term for anything literary and uh, yeah, you know, people didn't understand. That didn't, this that, new shit yeah, that didn't fit the, the sci-fi yeah. or didn't hit to hit. hit and so now I, it definitely, it, I think it has kind of taken on that term. And I guess that's one way to look at it. But it's still, to me, there's still just a difference between fantasy, science fiction, horror. It's just as different as a Western is from a, 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 a gangster movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, do they have elements that are are, are similar? Yes, they definitely do. Uh, I mean, obviously, Star Wars is very famous for taking a lot of different uh, uh, elements and putting them into the science fiction setting, whether it's the Arthurian lore, whether it's the dogfights from a World War II movie, whether it's the the, the feel of a Western bar, you know, when the Mandalorian comes walking into town, you hear the jing, jing, jing of his stuff. We have really got off topic. <laughs> no, no, no. Look, let's bring it back. So yeah. we're talking about bringing science fiction to the tabletop. Yeah. And so the point I was hoping to get to, and I think we did successfully, is there's a lot of principles of fantasy fiction storytelling that can be ported over to the science fiction genre with just a little bit of thought. And I think one of the points you guys brought up was that it has to be, even though it's it's fiction, right? it has to be somewhat scientific in its explanation. There has to be something about it that has a coherency in science that would allow it to kind of, you know, not just to be, be immediately dismissed yeah. by somebody. Something that, uh, specifically that's non-magical. So like, right. if it's a God particle or if it's technology or the way that space works is different, that's what makes it versus, oh, it's just magic. It's just this right. thing called magic. Yeah, and so that's, 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 that's an interesting way to look at things because definitely as we play in our science fiction settings, you have people at the table who are saying like, I'm going to use whatever, say we're, we're using. Um, the we, term. we use nanoparticles a talents, lot. Talents, not talents. What, what's the Gambits. name? Gambits. Gambits. Whoa, I'm going to use oh, my yeah. gambit. And we still have some people. Oh, I'm going to cast this. Yeah. Kind of thing. Instead of pulling a gambit. Yeah, yeah. instead of pulling a gambit and go like, I'm going to cast this this spell or whatever. But then we also have ways, like a lot of what we do have so far, especially let's say in Singularity where it's a lot of homebrew, a lot of the things really probably don't have a real scientific explanation, but we kind of find ways to make them sound science, science-y. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and I think that's an important thing because like, for example, uh, my character Crow in Singularity, she is a nano-based cyborg. And a lot of her abilities, like healing people from far off or, uh, you know, any of her abilities, um, they are based on the nanotech. So, for example, she can basically cast bless on people by creating these little floating nano orbs that float around whoever she wants. And they provide a D4 to their to, you know, basically the party's ability checks. Mm -hmm. And so from a science fiction skinning standpoint, right, it's uh, it is these little nanobots like floating around and then maybe while you're trying to hack, they're like helping you hack, you know, or right. they're helping you aim or they're, you know, getting in there, you know, they're helping you out a little bit. You want to jump over the ravine. Maybe it, it, it floats in front of you and you jump off of it. And that adds another, you know, two or three points to your check. Right. So it, it's explained via science, even though it really you know, is the same thing as saying, Oh, I got my God blessed you. <laughs> so here's a D four to do your things with. Right. Yeah. Right. It's kind of creating something out of thin air in a way. And that, then yeah, I mean, that, but that's like, based uh, in science. Like we're building nano, yeah exactly nano machines now so it it fills the same role but the in the um interpretation and the use of it or not the use of it the uh inception of it is extremely different and that's what diverges fantasy from science fiction Cody does not agree with this no i agree with everything you're saying 
It's just you, the, you, you the gave me the look. The part. The part. <laughs> sorry, I'm not trying to. I don't want to keep going on about how yeah. science fiction and fantasy fiction yeah. are the same thing. Yeah, I it's just I just keep hearing they're the same thing. They're just reskinned. Okay. I just keep hearing right. that. Well, I, 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 that. That's your take on it for yeah. sure. Uh, it's fine if you don't think. I just think it's a fun argument to have. Right. Like of all the arguments in the world to have, <laughs> that's true. I would that's rather have safe. this argument every single day of my Amen. life, man, <laughs> rather than have like political arguments and shit. Right. I, I think though, if you're a dungeon master that's been running fantasy based games and you want to get into doing like a sci fi, you want to run a sci fi game. Like one of the principles that you should have is like you know cut yourself a little slack. You've already you already have kind of done what you're going to need to do for the sci-fi. You're just going to need to maybe give it a little more explanation or grounded in current understanding of science and maybe where that science is evolving. I think uh, real, real quick. So like if you want to incorporate science fiction into your game, I think a really good idea to have is to think about how, I guess like how far or what type of science fiction you want to have. Right. So do you want to have, hyperdrive space travel that's perfectly fine that is like a like a, a core mechanic of your universe and but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have teleporting abilities so like right. i don't think there's teleporting in star wars no 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 i mean but there is teleporting in star trek they both have hyperdrive kind of space mm -hmm. travel uh mumbo jumbo going on uh is invisibility a thing I think Star Trek probably has invisibility. I've never seen Star Trek, but it feels like that would fit into their genre. Right. Star Wars well, does device. not have invisibility yeah. stuff. Well, they, do. Yeah, they, they, do. Have cloaking, they have cloaking stuff. They have oh, on their, on their ships, right? Yeah. It's, and tro troopers have it too. Yeah. There's troopers that have it. And, oh. Yeah. Also, That's you pretty, haven't seen, you haven't seen the last the last uh, Rise of Skywalker yet, have you? I mean, you guys would consider that a blessing. Well, it is a blessing, but but they actually do teleportation in that. Yeah. They do. They do. I feel have like that is fits about as well as you think it does. I, I feel <laughs> like that's something yeah. that people would Matt's be upset cringing. about. <laughs> yeah. You know what they use, though? What? Not science, space magic. Space magic. Magic Which in space. So are, you about, are you talking about Leah fucking no, uh, surviving Ray, the vacuum Ray of space? and uh, Emo Vader used right. uh, the force somehow to kind of get to each other's location at a certain point. Yeah. It didn't make any sense. Well, I think it was all in their heads, but um, so that <laughs> I think this is all good. I think this is leading up to... to um, to where we should probably jump off here in a bit, but uh, my producer keeps telling me there's a very angry goblin. Oh out, yeah, like like he wants to say something. Well, let's let him say something. So, and when we come back from this, then let's uh, let's let's talk to the experts, the two at the table who have run the most sci-fi, because they're completely different kinds of things they're doing, and kind of get get some ideas of what they think. But uh, let's get let's let's let this guy talk really quick. Hey, hey, hey you. Yeah, you. I'm Boblin the Goblin, and I know an adventurer when I see one. Come over here. I got something you'll be interested in. Have a seat at my table. I know where an intrepid band of heroes like you can find all the best adventures and loot you can handle. Have you heard of the Lair of Strange New Worlds Productions? It's on a magical plane of existence called the World Wide Web. I know, right? That sounds like some serious sorcery, but it's true. I've heard that SW Lair has adventures with bullywugs, cults dedicated to Sagtomi, and even a quest for Boost, the god of alcohol and revelry. What? You're a thief? Shh. Keep it on the down low. I hear SNW has an adventure for thieves like us. That's not all though. If you're looking for a good shop to outfit your party, SNW has shops you can steal. Need someone to help your party for a short time? They've got companions and compatriots there too. And I hear they got new classes. And every month, the mages at SNW teleport more stuff to this layer they call a website. 
What's this information I'm giving you gonna cost? Aw, oh, Boblin the Goblin doesn't need much. I love helping heroes. How about an ale? And maybe put in a good word for me with that cute bard on stage. Anyways, if you want to access that layer of SNW, you have your caster summon SNWproductions.com on that World Wide Web I spoke of. Boblin the Goblin guarantees you won't be disappointed. Oh crap, here comes that half-orc Chud. I gotta go. He probably heard that I stole his Echo Fish. Until next time, remember for all the dungeon delving products you need, SNWproductions.com has it all. All right. Okay, so I, like I said, we got the two experts, I think. I, 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 I briefly did a little sci-fi when I take, took the uh, Champions of Boost into the future of Faerun, but it wasn't really sci-fi on your guys' side. You still had pretty much all your abilities, all your powers, all your features, and then you kind of were confronted with some sci-fi, you know, uh, technology, technological things like, you know, the, the hologram that spoke to you and computers and this and that, and the guys you fought had blasters and things like that. But you two, Matt and, and Keenan, have pretty much been doing the sci-fi thing since we started your campaign. So I'm kind of interested in what your thoughts on everything that we've talked about so far tonight, but also just what you feel needs to be done to make it a little bit different. Who wants to take the, who wants to take the stand? <laughs> I mean, I guess I, I should, I guess I could start cause then I can go from the aspect of, I have a little bit of something that I can pull from and Keenan's more of like, you can hold your homebrewing everything. Like it's just pulling it out of, sorry, re- rearranging. You're just pulling it out of, uh, you know, <laughs> your ass, yes. I was gonna say your brain. But All you great wanna, stories come from one's ass. It's, it's a gold. It's a golden ass, though. It's a great. It's a great golden ass. <laughs> Must say, Keenan has <laughs> the ass that keeps on giving. Exactly. Wait, wait. Oh, Is it America's ass? Uh, that's no, that's Captain America. I would, I would love to be Cap, but I'm not Cap. I'm Tony Stark. <laughs> it's a cybernetic ass. Oh, but it's a golden shit. cybernetic ass. Look what yeah. Cody did. Um, so I mean, what I I guess for everyone at home and listening to this, what I use is uh, it's called S S. SW5E, uh, and it was a, a man who made it, uh, and I'm, I can't really remember what his uh, screen name is, but uh, I wish I had that. I'm gonna plug it in. Yeah, we'll plug. I, I guess uh, well, we, we could. I could pause real quick and I can just look it up. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna be one of those weird <laughs> dead silence. Uh, it's gonna be yeah, and it's gonna uh, be this like really heavy like voices like his name is Matt Smith. <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of blaming John here because you know last I haven't do, do very little editing in the last uh, episode at all. Now he comes here. And Turns out I'm the one that's causing all our problems. Yeah. Everybody's just looking at phone. This is a compelling podcast. We're all going to yeah. be on our phones for five minutes, will we? Yeah. It should be on Twitter. Right? There's a lot of credits on this. Well, I know. Uh, it, I know it website. became a community effort at a certain point. Right? Yeah. 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 Who's got the Twitter? What's okay. The Twitter so handle? yeah. So the person who basically I, the the. The resources I am using is SW5E, Star Wars 5E. And it was somebody who made it. And it was actually great because we were going to use the Edge of the Empire, uh, the set from Fantasy Flight Games. And we were getting into that, getting reading the rules. I had the book. Uh, but we decided since it was, it's, it's just completely different, you know, completely different setup, different dice, different ways things work. Uh, and it was a little bit, of, a little complicated. You could, could succeed uh, critically, but you could also fail at the same time. It was weird. Uh, so, which is fine. If anyone wants to play that game, it, it's probably, it, it seems amazing. I've listened to many podcasts. Um, but anyways, we use this thing that Mike turned me on to, which was uh, SW5E. And it's made by a man named uh, Steven in his Twitter and is at uh, Galley File, I think is what it is. Galley File. I don't know if I'm... Spell it out. Galifil. Uh, G-A-L-I-P-H-I-L-E. Galley File. Yeah, yeah a galley file. Uh, but he made a complete conversion and completely free too. Uh, if you want to, his website, SW5E, just hop on. You can go get some Star Wars content, which we started using that. It was great. Uh, as we were playing our game, 
things changed. Uh, stuff started changing. Classes started changing. Uh, the ship combat changed, which kind of threw all of us for a loop. I know that uh, Co- uh, Cody uh, had copied the tech ability person, like the actual PDF, the original PDF. So he's the only one that has like that original PDF and that all the new stuff is no. I use the website. Oh, well. Yeah, that's John that had the PDF. I, I, I still know the have original it. PDF with my Jedi. Yeah, I still have all the original stuff, David too. David also, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we, I mean, we have the original. John but was one that was, like, actively looking at the PDF to learn the rules of what we were looking at. That's and true. then he couldn't find what we were talking about because oh, he had the old yeah. copy. So basically, I use most of what I have. I use from that. Uh, there is a lot of information, I mean, sci-fi-wise and Star Wars-wise that I just make up on my own. Basically, all the enemies are kind of my own creation. I go onto their site, I find the enemies that I want, Sith and stuff like that, and I tune them to how I want to play that Sith. Um, and, I mean, I'm really pulling all that information from them. They got blasters, they got weapons, they got ships, um, they've got all kinds of different things. And it's a really great source. Um, I do feel that basically going through it in a sci-fi standpoint, it did get a little... It got a little more, I would say, more sci-fi. I would want to say that because it made it a little bit more, you know, you have to make checks for this or you have a reactor in your ship that you have to power. And to me, Star Wars has always been like that, you know, sci-fi fantasy where it's just like you're flying through the air, you know, you're shooting down ships. You're not really worrying about the reactor really that much. I mean, okay, there's sometimes when the reactor goes down, but it's kind of like that quick, oh, we fixed it. We're good. Let's shoot it back up. I think what they did was they started to adapt a little bit more of the the kind of stuff you'd find in the novels and the in the yeah. non-canon novels now the expanded universe stuff yeah. and made it and trying to make it maybe a little more like D six Star Wars because mm-hmm. D six Star Wars was amazingly detailed in so much stuff. I mean, they came up with so much amazing detail. That's what Timothy Zahn based all his tech stuff on when he wrote the books. Yeah, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I basically most of the stuff I pull from that, uh, from that, from that resource. It's really, it's been great. Uh, it's a great conversion. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't. That's pretty much all I've been using is using that. But again, there'll be sometimes when I'll pull stuff out of my ass, uh, especially when the characters are just like, "Hey, I would like to have this blaster that has a repeating rifle blast," and I'm like, "All right, sure, why not?" Like, uh, I will convince something. Uh, Mike, I made a, a rifle for you or a pistol uh, that I totally forgot about, <laughs> which was uh, you get to roll a d20 and something happens, and I was like. Oh shit! I forgot I made that for you. Well, that was pretty funny. Uh, so I just yeah. basically pulled up the rod of wonder, kind of, is what yeah, I did. And just I figured like, as much. Yeah. Oh, that does that. Okay, let's tune this to sci-fi. So like, yeah. it shot flowers out. All right, well, it shoots sparks that are just harmless and shoots out of there little fireworks. Um, but I mean, it's really translating it is it's it's pretty simple if you just kind of have watched and watched a lot of sci-fi. I would say um, you you can easily kind of transition into that world of you know this is fantasy. It happens this way. So let me try and explain it a sci-fi way and pull it into that. Right. But I would say that Keenan's game is a lot more, a lot more sci-fi than my game is. It's hard, it's, yeah. it's hard sci-fi. It's hard sci-fi for sure. Cody, you look like you had a comment. I just want to kind of give credit to the Star Wars 5e website. Mm-hmm. I really like one thing that they did there. They separated uh, types of spellcasting, basically. But uh, so you got tech powers and you got force powers. And your tech powers, uh, from what I've seen, it's like a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, crowd control abilities, but that's the only play to get fireball type spells or like fire uh, abilities and a lot of cold abilities too, like cryogenic stuff. And then looking at the force powers, that's kind of where you get like the lightning stuff. And I think it's just kind of cool that your, your force sensitive classes have things like lightning bolt or like your witch bolt alternative. And then your technological 
classes, those are the ones that are going to be throwing around fire and ice. Yeah. And I just really like how they did that in, in the, in the website. Yeah. I think that's, I think it's sweet. Actually. And yeah, if you guys want to check that out, there is so much content on yeah. that thing now. It's unreal. Support them on Patreon. If yeah, definitely give using yeah. it. Yeah, give them give give them your support because they have put a lot of work into this, and and we're loving the hell out of the campaign. We're oh, we absolutely. are having so much fun playing Star Wars. So fun. Oh, so. you know one thing that I was thinking about. You know, talking about like the hard sci-fi and all that stuff, and kind of uh, piggybacking on what Cody was just talking about, how they 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 switched out the damage like that. But one thing you did is you kind of changed a lot of the damage codes too in your game. So yeah, I converted. Uh, so. Core mechanically, I kept it the same as 5e because it's super simple. Um, besides that, though, yeah, I converted damage types. Like, Radiant is now laser. Right. And so I converted that over to keep it so there's multiple damage types. You could be resistant, and and lasers would be a thing in this universe. So I didn't need to make up laser damage. I just took that, converted it over so it made sense. And you also have a lot of kinetic damage for yeah, a lot of uh, different Yeah, bludgeoning, things. slashing, and yeah. piercing are now just all kinetic. Because yeah. if something in, this, in my head, in my universe, if something is doing that type of damage it's a kinetic thing so the materials could resist all right. of that type of action um that's a really clever change by the way oh thank you um i don't i can't say i was the originator of that but it's what made sense i think it so might be in hyperlanes it might be in hyperlanes too yeah, yeah. so but, um, hyper oh, by the way hyperlanes is another sci-fi 5e conversion that's out there and available too yeah it's a lot more i think they have their own universe but i think they have their own universe but i think it's a little more generic too um but the things that I'd have to say for the DMs who want to get into it or, or slightly into it and maybe need advice would be read Gravity's Rainbow. It is a amazing hard sci-fi novel. And then the thing, the piece of advice I'd give you would be figure out how your universe works. Like what do you want in it and how that actually happens? Because if you look at all sci-fi, they have a reason why warp warping can take place or why they can tech, uh, cast tech powers. Like explain why or that we have a... Um, like fusion reactors now so like we don't require or nuclear is clean and that's why they can build mega cities and and uh transfer traverse the universe would be through fusion uh, almost limitless amount of power right so in singularity i took all of these concepts that i liked through sci-fi and i put them all together into a, a mishmash of planetoids and factions and things that really like fleshed out the world. I built the whole world before I wrote any missions. And then I wrote missions that were based in this world and try to give as much freedom to the players to explore in that. So none of my stuff, in my opinion, feels reskinned because I try to do different topics. Um, I mean, they might've fought like a dragon or two. There was a sci-fi dragon, but come on, you got to do that at some point. Right. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. I mean, I would definitely say one thing to do if you're going to, I mean, if you want to make a sci-fi campaign, number one, Pick your favorite sci-fi, whatever, like any any fan fiction for sci- not fan fiction, but your favorite uh, like setting. Yeah, your pop, favorite sci-fi pop culture, whatever you know, Warhammer universe, forty k, um, Star Trek, anything. Pick that, and then from there, make your world. I mean, from there, you can kind of make that campaign and world. Uh, but going for the classes, just look at the D and D classes and res- you can reskin them. Like you know, I mean, there are some magic aspects to it. But when we think about like Keenan's campaign, I made a character named Dr. Bones, who is not Dr. Bones from Star Trek. Uh, (laughs) He's a metallic bone man. Uh, But I made him to be basically a sorcerer, but I'm reskinned it to have this kind of technological sorcerer. So he's a tech caster kind of thing. 
Um, so just start look at those classes and then make your own classes too. It's not, it's not as hard as you would think. Uh, yeah. you take, could take you an hour. Uh, but it's, I would, I would be surprised as you, or you'd be surprised as you start doing it, you might find that you really enjoy making classes. Absolutely. Yeah. With sci-fi, I think that it gives you the most amount of, um, flexibility when doing homebrew because fantasy is all in not every story has been written for fantasy, but 99% of them have. So you can go to other people's resources like 5e and just use their classes because you would be hard-pressed to do better than what they would do um, if they haven't done something. If they've already done it, it'd be hard-pressed to beat it or you could just tweak it, right? But with sci-fi, you're able to create more of it because there's not as much content in my opinion. And so that feels really freeing to me that you're able to make it yourself and it's not just a generic magic type. You can create why this universe works. Yeah. One of the things great too is to have your character, have your players say, "Hey, I really want to, you know, I know we're playing in this universe. I want to play this character." And then you can tell them, "Why don't you write something up for me, like kind of like John did with uh, Crow? Write something up for me, and I'll take a look at it. And if it fits, and there's not something that's like crazy overpowered, great, that's yeah. good to go." Yeah, and exactly. And then your players can come to you with like something they want to do, and then you can think as a DM if you built this world, how does it fit? And then you can rationalize why, and that can expand your game. Like John gave me a bunch with just his, what he wrote about his character is like, Oh, I'm just going to use that in the entire universe. Now you kind of solve the problem that I didn't think about for the world. That's cool. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. yep. Cool. I had a different topic here, but I have, it's not like an issue, but something I always think about frequently whenever we play our star Wars or our singularity game, but it's kind of the, uh, almost lack of strength based characters whether they're NPCs or bad guys or character like player characters, because it just feels like in a world where you can shoot laser beams or rocket launchers, or you can get into a mech, why would anyone work out and walk in with a sword or a hammer as a, a way of attacking someone? Now I do have a character that is a melee fighter and it, 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 it works out because he's got like damage resistances and things like that. Cause he's like, function like half mech but i just always think it's it's kind of weird thematically charging head that first into like yeah. laser beams I yeah think, i so agree i think that that's a good thing so because yeah. it presents a, a little bit more of an extension of the modern world where like yeah we don't attack people with swords i can shoot them from half a mile away mm -hmm. like there's no reason to train to that degree with a sword anymore unless it's for a sport so sci-fi i mean you can bait like Star Wars. you can bake it in like if you're a Jedi, you have like lightsaber combat or vibroblade, and you do get in there, and it's more fantastical. But like with sci-fi, yeah, there is no reason to get in close. I can launch a rocket now. Why would I do that? I so to me, it's just part of the genre. Mm -hmm. But you can always work it in. Like your character is like a, a pugilist. Like you box people with electro fists. Yeah, it's badass. It doesn't make the most sense in the universe, but it's it's more realistic, grounded setting where like if someone can shoot from half a mile away, why would you get good with your fists or? expertise with your fist when you need some hand-to-hand -hand and mm -hmm. you can just use a gun yeah i just have more fun punching things than i do shooting things <laughs> i would definitely to that point say that there is a reason to do melee combat and become an expert in it and not to the point of maybe yourself becoming an expert in it but becoming an expert in comp like piloting something that's a melee mech unit or a melee i mean even being a melee fighter uh, i mean thinking of the 40k universe if i'm cut like a swarm of tyranids is coming after me Sure, I could have a flamethrower, but what if they're resistant to the flamethrower? 
I think the best thing to have is just those giant iron claws and I can just swipe and just, yeah, or chainsword or, so I think, I mean, it's definitely geared towards what universe you're in. Like if you're in a universe that's like, everyone's got ranged weapons and guns and maybe it's, no one needs it. Maybe no one's resistant to, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, Amos in Singularity has actually got pretty decent strength and stuff too. And I did take some combat weapons but I have a lot of BFGs, so yeah. I really like using the BFGs. In a world with BFGs, why bring a sword? So I had I had a point earlier that when you're making a sci-fi game, you need to think about like what type of sci-fi you want to have in there. And when I say that, I mean like what types of super science do you want to have in this? Like like space travel, teleportation, invisibility, uh, laser beams, whatever, right? So I guess if hypothetically, if your setting here has zero reason why you would walk into a fight with a sword do are we are we alternating what the strength are we and we're still we're sticking with the 5e stats are we alternating what the strength stat does or are we are we or is everyone putting their eight minus one modifier into strength like are we what are we changing about strength to make it actual like you know why would anyone put ability scores into strength so i would say i would i would gear that towards uh one of a character a character i made in riffs which is a, a kind of a game i've our camp like a uh, structure of gaming i've always wanted to run it's an rpg pretty much anything can happen because it's riffs like a rift opens now you're in a fantasy world the rift opens now you're in sci-fi world um or you're like in the old west or just it's weird uh but i played a character that was just massively strong like I, got, I think I got a 30 strength score when we were just starting out. It's really weird. So that, that sounds like a lot. It's kind of like having like a, maybe a 22 or 24 in D and D. Um, but the reason why I was so strong and what really helped me was I could lift any weapon that I wanted to. I went over to like a, like a, uh, the howitzer cannon and I was able to pick it up and take it into the battlefield and just shoot it. <laughs> it was, I mean, that's why you would need a strong character. Like a strong character would need to be able to lift really heavy weapons. Now there's, mech stuff that could help you with that but if your mech stuff breaks now you can't carry your heavy weapon anymore now you're just reduced to something that's a hand weapon or something like that so you would need the strength to lift something that you're using so i mean like i guess like amos yeah that's true actually um i don't think 5e doesn't really 5e doesn't really do those kind of take those kind of things into effect but i have definitely played other games where that has taken an effect like you know i played like real modern day uh games where you know if you don't have a certain strength you are not going to be like shooting this M60 and toting around everywhere, or you're not going to be just, you know, n- willy nilly two 44 automags in each hand and just shooting like, you know, like it's a, it's a movie. So that's something that, that I get, could be taken into to account. Even if we just played yeah. with five E's encumbrance rules, which we've never oh. ever done, it, would, <laughs> no, might, it, might, have, it so might affect uh, the strength choice. Cause yeah. Yeah. truly if we did, like there's a lot of heavy equipment you pick up in a sci-fi that's campaign yeah. and, yeah, a lot of us are lugging stuff around as if we have a bag of holding. When we right. down. I mean, super materials, right? But to to extend on what you were saying, though, I would say, uh, to answer your question, Cody, in a different way, would be that every good sci-fi game has a point where the sci-fi starts to break down and you're in a situation where your tech doesn't help you. And if your auto doors are jammed, you better hope there's a pry bar and somebody strong enough to do it. So there's always that need for that. It's just not, It's it's the same as like, physical fitness is not required in our modern lives to the same degree. Like to be a soldier, you have to be fit, but you're not like bodybuilder status, right? In a future setting, you wouldn't have to do that, but there's going to be a time where having someone who's strong or physically more physically capable is going to pay off. If you're doing sci-fi, right? Cause there's always a point where something has to break down 
and your tech has run out of its juice and you have to figure that way out. And that's where that character would shine. Like Amos would be great in that situation. If you were drifted space, air doors are shut, you're trying to get back to the, uh, maybe the escape pods and you were EMP'd and your power armor's down. Now the half orc has to pry it out or you're all going to die. Like that gives that situation power. So there's ways to figure out how to add a strength things. I wouldn't necessarily change the stack because it is just, strength how much physical power you can exert and there's ways to work that into a campaign that are actually fun and uh, world building wise no i agree with that and by the way i always i have played riffs i love it i love the concept of riffs yeah i hate the mechanical system yeah i just yeah. it's just a, it's it's the one thing that i've always called back to because it's like and it's maybe i just need to play a bruiser like a i mean <laughs> i've played i played a bruiser before i was a barbarian but like a bruiser in like a sci-fi campaign yeah. just being able to lift a howitzer cannon and run around was great <laughs> right oh it was good so I was, as you guys were all talking, I'm trying to like run through my head about what idea, what potential ideas could be. And you all had really great ideas thematically, um, but I'm a mechanically driven kind of guy. So what? I mean, like if I have, if I have my strength based character and so far in singularity, I'm having a blast with them. I really yeah. enjoy my guy. Oh, he's fun, dude. Um, I, he's, he's very fun thematically yeah. and combat. I almost feel like I'm just getting kind of lucky with the bullshit that i pull off no, with that i don't character. think so oh no i don't think um, so but i'm Crazy thinking about lucky. i'm thinking about like, like like other dms out there if you know they're just designing a game and these strength-based situations just don't occur and they potentially have a player that has a character with it doesn't have to be anything huge maybe like a 14 strength in a 5e right. rule setting uh but like just i don't know here's my running thought here let's say you know everything is dex based because everyone's shooting guns um but you have uh, a 13 strength or a 12 strength so you have plus one and you want to pick up that howitzer cannon or you want to pick up some kind of heavy machine gun kind of thing well what if that plus one was added into your attack roll on this this gun so you're using your dexterity modifier and you probably have like a plus four plus five uh, plus your proficiency bonus and then you get like a plus one because you are strong enough to hold the gun you get to shoot it with a, just a smidge extra accuracy a little bit a little bit of control basically yeah. right yeah. so so you're, you're fighting that bucking of that thing right mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense yeah. i like that or doing some kind of combination with strength and con because mm -hmm. they are similar ish yeah like you a, a, a bodybuilder is not going to have a giant body if he doesn't have a strong constitution. Right. For it, sure. So, I mean, you're saying make equipment for combat strength-based. Equipment or, or, you know, just like... Like ranged range weapons. Yeah, sure. That are based on strength also. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I mean... Just giving a mechanical reason for every single session or maybe at least every other session, there is a reason this plus one or plus two strength is going to matter. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and specifically in Singularity, there are weapon requirements, depending on the mm -hmm. uh, uh, the weight of them, if you can wield them or not. And they do. Yeah. That's like why Amos has a uh, anti-material auto cannon because mm. he can wield that, mm -hmm. and so it gives you like three d eight twice around. Yeah, yeah. So. I think you have exosuits too, too that yeah, have so like can boost your an strength. eighteen requirement strength or something like that. Don't you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like creating like mechanical reasons why having a high strength would be. A, a, a purposeful decision for yeah. you yet again we have talked a lot about a subject and i still think there's a lot to go but yeah we are we're getting kind of close to time there so uh i guess we can do closing thoughts i can say right now i don't really have any clothing so clo clothing you don't you have, have any clothing, clothing on? on oh my god he's naked he's been naked the whole time so i'm mike uh english is not my first language it's actually my keys and only i speak it i don't have any closing thoughts so uh go ahead you guys I mean, my closing thoughts would be, um, you know, if you're going to do science fiction, 
I think the more you can link it to science reality, the more immersive it'll feel, but that you shouldn't feel like that should keep you from doing something that you really don't have a good explanation for. Um, basically, you know, rule of cool. If it's fun, if it's cool and it kind of fits the world you built, go for it. Yeah. I, I have to second that cause that is a hundred percent true. Um, rule of cool it the whole way through. I do encourage you to understand your universe where you share it though. Uh, cause it's going to make, it's, it's going to make it feel real and science fiction to me should feel more real. Uh, unless you want to play star Wars and it's high fantasy, baby, do whatever you want. But I really enjoy it for the, uh, the listener out there that might have some questions, go ahead and drop us an email on a snwproductions.com. Uh, if you have any questions directly about sci-fi, I would really like to, uh, advise you. I'm really passionate about sci-fi. Yeah. I think one of the reasons why people choose to play a sci-fi game or to read a sci-fi book or watch a sci-fi movie is because they like that potential uh, realism with it, whereas opposed to a magic fantasy setting where it's like, there's no way in hell this is ever going to happen. To both John and Keenan, the closer you can link your setting and your mechanics and your, you know, whatever casting abilities you have, the closer you can link it to a potential real world physics I think your you and your players will enjoy it a lot more. Yeah, I guess to my I well, pretty much everyone's kind of said what I said, but you know, I, the one thing I wanted to say is just if you have a sci-fi fantasy world you want to make it for, you know, it's a sci-fi world or a sci-fi setting that you've always loved, you know, Star Trek, Star Wars, War, War, Warhammer 40K, uh, I can't think of any other right now, but those you know, the uh, the the sky's the limit on that. But just then make a make a set of classes or find a group of players and say, Hey, I'm going to run a game. It's going to be set in this universe. Uh, we're going to use the five year rule settings. What do you want to play? And then they'll tell you what you want to play. And it's like, oh, great, make a class for that. And I'm going to get the game ready and then we'll figure everything out from there. Uh, lastly, I'd just like to say shout out to Galafil, Galafile, <laughs> that, 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 you know, you, uh, for, uh, the creator, of, uh, Star Wars 5e, 5e. Uh, that conversion. That was, it's a, it's a great thing. Uh, and if anybody wants to run a Star Wars game, it's the number one thing I'd recommend. Anyways, yeah, shout out to that. Shout out to him. Uh, it's great. Uh, and everybody who has helped him along the way. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, if you like what you're hearing today, please <laughs> drop on by and check out snwproductions.com. Uh, if you want to help us keep doing this, please drop by our uh, Patreon page and become a patron. We've got many different tier levels there uh, for your budget. And if you just want to buy us coffee too, we like coffee. Mm-hmm. And you can do that on our website. Coffee. I mean, I'm a tea man myself. So. I mean, we don't ever take that money and use it for whiskey instead. Spot of tea, man. Oh, or yes. cigars.